It is a man's responsibility to take care of his woman. How big would you dream if you knew you couldn't fail? How much are you spending on girls and how much are you spending on your mum? Don't treat your business account like a personal spending account. If you have a business and you're still working in the business, you don't have a business, you have a side hustle. What kind of cash do you need to start a dropshipping business then? Whenever I did a business deal, I never had a contract. Always figure out your exit plan before you figure out your entry plan. You came dripped out to head to toe in like Gucci and all this loud shit yeah, that yeah. just said, I'm a dropshipper making hundreds of thousands a month. I know so many people that they've made more money from a course than they have from dropshipping. People, they always set two alarms, right? And I feel like the first alarm is for the man you want to be. And the second alarm is for the man you are. So the best people you can learn off is people who have just done what it is you're trying to do. There's a saying, we treat the body rigorously so it won't be disobedient to the mind. First things first, guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favor and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now. Whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremoval.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremoval.com. Lester Javalona, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to be here again. I know I said that in the last episode, but... Mate, honestly, it's uh, it's been, what is it now, two, probably about two years, I reckon, since our last episode. Mm-hmm. The last episode we did, Absolute Econ Bang, I sent it on all levels at the time. We discussed getting to 350k a month, yeah. and obviously now, you're north of a million a month. Mm-hmm. Drop shipping and brand, there's a lot that's changed, a lot of nuances. The people requested the life out of me to get you back on the podcast and talk about this and I know you you wouldn't do me dirty and do another podcast, so yeah. I'm glad to have you here, my man. I suppose the first place for us to start is, and guys, if you want to learn about Lester's journey, obviously, to 350K, click the link in this bio, and you can listen to the first podcast, because that will cover most of that off. But I suppose I just want to start with what has changed and had to develop in your mind and, and in your business to be able to take you from 350 to north of a million now? Like what, what are the big differences? I think the main difference is hiring good talent because when you go from zero to 10K a month, zero to 100K and, well, just to 100K even, you, you're probably doing all, it all by yourself and you don't really have a good team. Maybe you have a couple of VAs. VAs don't really count as a team. But once you go from 100K onwards, that's when you definitely need a good team and you definitely need to hire good talent. So to go from, say, 100 to 500, that's when you really need strong people who will manage everything for you because if you're doing it all yourself, you're going to just burn yourself out because I think that's, that's what's changed in this past year because I haven't really been doing everything by myself. I've had a really strong, good team behind me. Um, and that's just came over actually it was thanks to the podcast I hired my ops manager from there uh, he actually reached out to me through Skype and then said that hey I listened to your podcast uh, and then yeah we took off from there so how long has that ops manager been in place now two years uh, just one year one year yeah so he was there since July last year and July last year was kind of when I thought okay I need to do a lot of work for my business and then uh, I took uh, like a, I don't want to call it a monk mode because monk mode I feel like is it's so abused, 
But I pretty much did a monk mode where I just did six months of just straight work and then, yeah, towards December I went on a nice little Europe holiday and then, um, yeah, still in my holiday phase right now, so... Coming off, coming off the back of a cold Europe and obviously a little bit of a warm one in Dubai for us here yeah. now. I mean, when we pan round during this video, guys, you're going to see the Burj Al Arab and Dubai in all its glory. It's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely phenomenal and amazing here. Um, mate, I think... What are the key systems then that you've had to put in place with this operations yep. manager to be able to, to scale is, is, is the question. Okay, so to put it this way, just to bring that question back, another question, the best way to scale your business is by hiring talent and it's not just someone to do the operations, it's first someone to just help you around with, because first thing you do with a dropshipping business is First of all, you need someone to do the customer service. You need someone to answer the emails, answer the Facebook comments. Um, and then after that, then you hire someone to communicate with, for example, your agent. And then someone to communicate with um, your media buyers, if you have media buyers. Media buyers is also something that I've invested heavily in because I feel like I've, I, I was just spending too much time on advertising and too much time doing everything. So I had to plan all of the creatives. I had to plan all of the copywriting, everything. So then, yeah, I hired uh, media buyers. And now I work with an agency right now, which does a lot of the media buying, especially for my bigger brands, because agencies are great because they work off performance. So if they don't perform, then uh, they don't get paid. Have you noticed, because obviously when I was speaking to Davey Fogarty in, in, in past episodes and some of his YouTube content has mentioned about how some of these agencies can can take advantage, yeah. especially like email automation agencies and stuff like this. What is 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 have you just cut all that out just by making it solely a performance based pay? Yeah, so you do performance based, but also the way you avoid that is you have to understand your business as well as uh, as well because the agency they they don't they don't give a fuck about your business because. It's not their business. It's it's yours. So if they underperform, they don't really care, which is why I feel like when a lot of people hire these agencies, they're like, oh, sweet, it's time for me to step away. I'm going to go go on a nice holiday and not do anything. But that's where, like, especially at the start is when you're meant to double down. You have to double down on all of all the business work because that's when uh, you, it's like your make or break. Because if you can't scale with if you can't scale with a small team, you can't scale with a big team, and if you can't scale with a big team, you can't scale at all. So uh, yeah, I suppose most people that listen to this are going to want to start in dropshipping. Obviously, mm-hmm. you've gone on to brand, and we'll go on to brand further on this podcast. But I suppose most people start with with dropshipping. So I think it would be great if we could hear from you what things need to be in place at every level from start of dropshipping. To when you get to 50k, when you get what you have to have in place for 100k and on from that, from your journey, yeah. Well, let's go from the start. So, obviously, at the start, um, first you need to find a product to sell, which a lot of people like, what's the best tools? How do I do product research? I don't know what to sell. You pretty much just have to ask yourself a simple question of what are people going to buy? Because that's how you sell stuff. Because people are people don't understand that money comes from other people, and the way you get money from other people is you deliver them a product or a service uh, with drop shipping most of the time unless you're drop servicing you're delivering them a product so then you have to ask yourself what product would people buy what products are people interested in 
So there's, you could kind of reverse engineer that question and try to find what people need in their life. Because if you give someone something that they need, then they're more likely to buy it. Because, for example, a lot of like very universal products, like a posture corrector, for example, or like there's this little neck tool. Those are products that I've sold very well in the past and they've sold very well because they're products that solve a problem. So first of all, you have to go find a problem-solving product. I know it's like a very universal term, but problem-solving products are the best because you could sell them off impulse. And especially with dropshipping, a lot of people, they expect to be profitable right off the start, off cold traffic. If you're selling something like, um, I don't know, clothing or jewelry, jewelry probably not as much, but clothing, how do you expect someone to go buy your shirt that has a cool logo? Nobody's going to buy it. Nobody cares about it. Versus if they're buying a product that will help their back pain or their neck pain or their leg pain. Those are products that people are just going to buy straight away off impulse, off cold traffic. So I guess that's the first step. Find yourself a really good, strong product. And then next is create ads for it. Uh, You could either create ads or create the website. So I'll go through the creating the ads. So usually, I don't usually recommend this because I like to... and. Personally, I haven't really touched or seen any of the products that I sell, but I'd advise that you do invest some time into sending the product to yourself and and seeing the product first, making sure that it's, it's a good product, and then take some photos of the product, make yourself a little ad. Um, this process does take longer because you're actually, you have to wait for the product to arrive, versus just drop shipping and I mean you can get random footage online but user generated content UGC it works very very well especially nowadays we've seen that our UGC campaigns have actually outperformed the regular campaigns because a lot of drop there's a lot of drop ships right now and a lot of them just use the same cut up content or they'll go steal someone else's content rip it post it on their store and they complain and ask themselves why doesn't it work well, it doesn't work because you've just stolen something and Facebook knows that you've stolen it, which is why they give you high CPMs. So the way around that is to just film your own content. So then you film your own content, you use the content on your website, you do the copywriting. Okay, back in the day, copywriting used to be like a big hassle because I'm not a copywriter. I don't know what to write. I don't know. Do I do like dot points of like all the cool benefits, the features? But now, especially with AI, it's so simple. You just type into ChatGPT, for example, write me a product description for a dog bed or write me a product description for a, um, a back tool. It'll write you one straight away. And if you're not happy with it, then you just tell it, make it sharper, make it less salesy, make it more emotional, and it'll do that for you. And then the key is not to copy and paste that. The key is to use that as inspiration and then edit it a little bit because, again, sometimes the AI kind of seems a little robotic and doesn't seem natural. So, yeah, I recommend to just edit it a little bit because you want to to be putting effort in. And then after launch your ads... Test it out. If it works, sweet. If it doesn't, then move on. I feel like a lot of people are very, very emotional and they get caught up into the their, their first, second, third product and they really want it to work and they don't want to let it go. But you have to you have to be a business owner at the end of the day. 
and make a decision. If this is losing you money, then go do something else. I think that gives people a real good understanding of how they can basically break down and break into into dropship and all that stuff. And the kind of what you're essentially saying there is your first product in a lot of cases isn't going to be a winner. You might even mm-hmm. have to try like five, 10, 20 products to get that first winner. Yeah. But most people are, even when I was looking at the questions before the podcast for the Q&A that we'll do after this, I was looking at the, I was reading the Q&A questions and I, and I recognized some of the faces asking the questions and they were asking the same questions two years ago. And the reason they're asking the same questions today as they were two years ago is because none of them have launched a first product or a second product. No, I haven't. And, and that's what happens a lot in this space when you get asked about dropshipping because a lot of people think dropshipping is dead. Uh-huh. But I would say probably 30, 40, 50, 60, 70% of, of the, even probably 70% now of the, of the, of the products yeah. that I see online are all dropship, right? Yeah. So dro- is dropshipping dead? Well, people that say dropshipping's dead, I'd like to ask them if the internet is dead. Because dropshipping is an inventory business model. It's just, I could get it from this place for, for cheaper, so I'm going to go post it without having the product at like with me right now and then I'm going to go sell it and I'm just going to collect the margin on top send it straight from the factory to you so yeah dropshipping is definitely not dead um, e-com is actually really booming because a lot of people are getting lazier they just they don't want to go into a store and buy something and a lot of the products that dropshippers I guess sell aren't products that are readily available in stores it's not something you could easily get in stores which is also a factor you should include is you should ask yourself, can I get this product in store? Because if you get it in store, then guess what? Everyone else is going to go uh, just go in store. Like they'll just, I've seen it before as well. I've seen it in my ads where people comment, thanks, this is great. I'm going to go buy it in store. Uh, one of the ads was, for example, Fire Blanket. It actually performed really well. And a lot of the comments was, this is a great idea. I love the marketing behind this, how it promotes that um, if there's a fire it could be really dangerous so you should buy this thanks I'm going to go in store and buy one and you want to avoid that and you want to make sure that people don't like can't really get your product in store so that's like a factor to so off not in store and maybe not on Amazon as well uh-huh. well Amazon's different because Amazon and eBay for example are like all the products and that's why I don't recommend Amazon dropshipping or eBay dropshipping. I feel like anyone who's promoting Amazon dropshipping or eBay dropshipping, like, I don't know. I don't. I don't really buy into it because you don't have control over anything. You don't have control over your website, the type of traffic you're getting. Whereas if you have an e-com business, you it would be good to have control over everything. You'd be able to control the. Or like the type of people going on your website, where they're from, um, and you can do a lot of the targeting as well. But what's your, what's your comeback when people say? Because obviously, I've heard of people selling out Amazon products for seven, mm-hmm. seven, eight figures. Yeah, uh, the Amazon brands that they've built specifically on the back of Amazon traffic, Amazon ads, and Amazon listings. So what what's what's your comeback on that name? Because obviously, people are making money out of that, and yeah. people are selling brands like that. I mean, what's what's your kind of well. You can, you can make a lot of money off Amazon, which is great. I've personally tried Amazon. I've tried eBay as well, and it hasn't worked for me. And I'm just being completely honest. Dropshipping's worked for me, and it's worked for me very well, which is why I kind of endorse dropshipping, and I'd say dropshipping, it's a lot easier to get into than a lot of people think because a lot of people, they overthink it, and a lot of people start things like agencies, for example, and they don't know how to market. They don't know how to do a lot of the stuff that they're selling. Whereas with dropshipping, if you fuck up, for example, 
you're the one losing money, not your clients. Yeah, so I was, I was, you're right in what you're saying there because obviously a lot of people that start these agencies have no even when and I no start experience. even when I started content removal. I'll be totally honest. I did I didn't know how to remove content uh-huh. yet. I st- I started it, took on clients, and didn't know how to remove content yet, and had to learn on the job how to remove content because I was young. I didn't. I just had to. I had to change my life, and that was how I started it. Yeah. And I delivered on all the clients, everything like that, and I and I became one of the best at it. But that's how I had to start. I didn't have time to think about, oh, should I do this? Should I do that? What product this? What All, all this crap that people get caught in the emotion. I mm-hmm. launched a Wix website and I launched a fucking business and, and, and I had a chat fucking thing on the, on the website and I just, that's it. Mm-hmm. I think people get too caught up in the emotion of, like we were saying before, what to sell, how to sell it, how much for, how much margin. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you've never sold anything online. So how the fuck do you know? You, yeah, exactly. you, you know by trial and error, right? Yeah, I feel like experience is the best teacher. If you want to learn something, then just do it, fail at it, fail a couple times, and eventually you'll just succeed at it. It's It sounds like a really dumb idea to just keep failing until you succeed, but I guess that's how the light bulb was invented. That's how the fucking airplanes were invented. It's just people who had a crazy idea and they just... They knew they were going to get there eventually and they just didn't stop until they succeeded. Well, classic example is this podcast. I think, I, I can't remember what number of podcasts you came on when you came uh-huh. on before when we were talking about this, but I'm a damn sight further down the road now, uh, episode 140 plus, and I was when we, when we last discussed with, mm-hmm. the, with the audience and everything else. And it's no different to growing a business in, in the sense of like you have to take the reps and do the actions and rather than, you know... It, don't go listen to this dropshipping podcast and then listen to 17 other fucking yeah, dropshipping yeah. podcasts. Go and take action on what Lester's telling you in this one and then maybe you'll be further ahead in 12 months' time and you won't have to ask the same question. Now your question becomes a more intelligent question predicated on your real-world information feedback that you've had from the marketplace yeah. in regards to you taking the fucking action. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's kind of the thing that I've learned from seeing you come on the podcast first time and second time and what's been asked of the questions and everything else. But I just want to go back to that point because mm-hmm. you were, you were told people how to start the drop shipping. So now they've started it. They've got a product. It's scaling well. It's doing well. It's doing numbers. Mm-hmm. They're having their first sales. We, we, I, I asked you the question before about what things do you implement at what, at what type of scale to make things move f- faster? So first of all, Cash flow is super important, especially at the start. You can't get a 10, 20, 30K a month business with no cash flow because, and I don't really advise people to get credit cards just to full send it. Just be really wise with how you manage your cash flow. First of all, get a job, get a job, save some money. And then once you save some money, then go invest that into your business. So, um, for example, if you're spending $100 a day on ads, especially, so let's do an example in Australia. Your Shopify payouts, typically, uh, so for example, your Shopify payouts on Monday will come out on Tuesday, all, your, all of your sales from Monday uh, all the way up until 10 a.m. And then after 10 a.m., all those sales will come the day after. So you kind of just have to calculate everything and manage your cash flow really well because you don't want to stretch yourself too far to the point where, and this has happened, this has happened with so many people I know, where they can't fulfill their orders because they've just spent it all on marketing or they're just spending it on other stuff and then they just run out of cash flow or they just scale too hard, spend it all on ads, all of their money goes on hold and then 
they they can't do anything. They can't pay the staff. They can't pay the advertising. They can't pay. They can't pay their costs of goods. So yeah, it's to really be just be practical with how you budget everything. Um, yeah. So what what kind of what kind of cash do you need to start a dropshipping business then? In essence, really. Well. Tell me a target you want to hit in sales a month, and I'll tell you how much. Right. So in the beauty niche, I want to I want to launch a fucking. Um, how a how much do you want to hit? In I revenue, wanna, I want to hit twenty k a month. Okay. Well, if you want to hit twenty k a month in revenue, that's under one k a day. So having two thousand dollars would be enough to hit that, assuming everything goes well, because you also have to realize. You're going to get PayPal holds. You're going to get Shopify holds eventually. They're going to ask you to upload your information. It's normal. It's just so the banks know. Uh, they do like a KYC, so like a know your customer. They just want to know uh, that there's a real person behind like doing all this. Um, so, yeah, uh, you would need maybe like 2 to 5K a month. But that's assuming that that first product that you're testing in the beauty niche works. If it doesn't, then you'll probably need like upwards of 10K just to comfortably test a lot of products without getting too emotional into it. So for someone to learn to go from zero knowledge in dropshipping and zero dollars to get into a, a product that, that generates 10K a month, so yeah. 120 grand a year, which would solve most people's problems that listen to this anyway, as a starting level, give them enough money to be able to get out of a job so they can go full-time into, mm-hmm. into e-commerce and dropshipping. How much money do I need? I'd say comfortably $10,000 is good because then you could split that budget into two parts. The $5,000 which you have saved up for scaling and then the other $5,000 which you will commit to testing products because then you could test a lot of products and one of them will perform well or one of them will even just be slightly profitable and then you could use the rest of that money to scale. So how many products do you reckon and estimate that I would have to test in order to find that in like from your experience? It, it's hard to say because for example my team have a lot of parameters so if we don't hit certain KPIs after a certain amount of impressions we're just going to kill a product off. But for especially for beginners when when people are starting out they get really emotional into it. So I'd say uh if you if you don't find a product that sells well after 10 20 products then fuck maybe this isn't for you because it's really really easy to get sales give me the parameters then so they can get sales faster okay. give me the give me the, uh, give me your actual parameters like that you, that you and your team execute on because i want them to have the parameters so they sure. can so they can have the best opportunity from a podcast not selling them a fucking course yeah. from a podcast how they can do this so for example if we hit 5000 impressions and there's no buying intent so no add to cart no initiate checkout it it's a dead product because if it's reached 5000 people and nobody nobody's interested in it then and as well we look into the comments so if the comments are saying something good or bad about a certain product then um. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll read that and assess from judging from those comments because a lot of there's been times where we've tested a product and the comments are super negative, like this doesn't work, this is a scam, whatever. 
and then we'll just go search up YouTube reviews, for example, see there was one product, um, it was like a little hair curler, and then people were saying that it just like breaks really easily, and there was a lot of reviews, so that product we killed off really quickly. But yeah, I guess the parameters is just look at your buying intent and look at um, just your, your KPIs. You, you have to calculate your cost per add to cart to break even, uh, I guess the main thing is your break-even ROAS. You have to know how much you need to hit to break even. So how can how what's the easiest way for them to calculate that? Uh, so break-even ROAS is it's uh, sale price minus your well, it's like your margin divided by your sale price. Right. So sale price minus how much it costs divided by um, your sale price. I think. But uh, yeah, like you guys can Google break even ROAS. I haven't I haven't done it in a long time because we use calculators on spreadsheets. So so it automatically just, calculates yeah, for you because you you've now yeah. got the data that you just put it in. You you basically put it in and you know from when you choose the product, essentially exactly. at your level, you know what it has to hit in impressions and everything else, and how much and how many dollars a day adds to test it before you even launch the thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it changes. Is is there is there any way that they can gain access or get anything like this that can yeah, help I, them? I could drop a rise calculator sheet below uh, in the comments. I'll go send it to you. But um, we're, I'm very strict and very systemized with the targets that we need to hit because if we don't hit those targets, then I'm going to go kill that product straight away because it's just burning money. When you're at the level you're at now, how many products a week are you testing? We're easily testing 40, 50 products a week. And out of the 40, 50 that you test, and obviously you're selecting them from your knowledge now, mm-hmm. just so that people can understand at your level, how many of those are failures, fail, fails? 40 could fail. Right. Or up to 40 could not even get a sale. So the reason I asked you that and the reason why I want you to articulate that is because even after so many years of doing this and making as much money as you yeah, have, still fail too. you failed 40 fucking times this last week mm-hmm. just... This, this week alone yeah. and last week another 40 times just to get five winners yeah. essentially I think once most people understand that they can understand there's not much real difference between you and them other than the fact that you've took more reps and more risk than they have yeah uh, no risk no reward I feel like people need to understand if the, if they're in a, uh, a first world country like people in Australia America United Kingdom those tier one countries if they fuck up, what's going to happen? They're probably just going to stay at their mum's house and, you know, just go to work. Like, there's nothing. It's not like they're going to they're gonna starve to death if they fail. And people aren't really willing to just full send it and go all the way. I feel like if you live in one of those tier one countries, you have to be hyper-productive. You have to just put everything into it and it'll work. It'll definitely work and it's proven to work. Uh, it's obviously hard to build that confidence without seeing the success first, but I guess it's just believing that it'll work um, and then just like staying on the right path. So um, let's just touch again on, on this because I, I really want to finish that topic where we were talking about the different things that you need in place at the different amounts of scale. So just break it down for me on, on a timeline, 0 to 20, zero to, uh, 20 to 50, 50 to 100, 100 to 200, 200 to 500, 500k to a million. What, what, are the, what are the key things, key milestones and things that they need to put in place in their business at those, at those points? So from 0 to 10k, very simple. You just have to put in the reps, 
you could do it after work, just go set up some ads. Um, once you have a product that's rolling, that's when it gets really quick. That's when you go from zero to 30K very, very easily. And what people need to understand is the traffic that you guys are capturing, all the sales you guys are getting, they're, at the end of the day, they're customers. They're real people and they're people that you need to treat like people. Because a lot of people just think that they just get money off these guys and then that's it. But we send out a lot of frequent email updates about their orders. So usually uh, Shopify has like a two or three step flow. We've created our own flow in Clavio where it's like a five step flow that gives the customers a lot of updates about their orders because, and we make it really personalized. We, come, we make it come from a personalized account. So then it seems as if it's very personal. It gives a nice personal touch. Because then they'll like your brand and you kind of, you have to treat them like people. And then you, later on is when you upsell them more products, more on that in a second. So from 30 to say 100K, it would be good to have a line of credit at that point because you obviously you want to scale fast. But again, just manage your cash flow really well. Uh, make sure, I usually don't like to push it too quick. I know last year I did zero to 100K in like four days. But that's because we already had all of the processes warmed up. Because payment processing, people don't realize payment processing after 100K actually becomes quite difficult. Because Stripe and all these other uh, Visa, MasterCard, they're going to start looking into your shit if you're processing a lot of money. Which is why I see all of these like gurus that are saying they're making X amount per day. And they're not complaining about issues that you actually experience when you reach those certain numbers. Uh, so for... One of my stores, actually, uh, we had to get a private payment processor in Brisbane, uh, which they've been very helpful because we had issues when we were scaling past 100K, 200K a month. Um, So to go from 100 to 500 is when you definitely need stuff. Uh, Before I forget, so before 100K, you definitely need email customer service people so just VAs you find them on Upwork you can find them on online jobs whatever so get a couple VAs train them and then I like to have maybe two or three VAs who are just there on standby for anything I need for example managing Facebook comments contacting with the supplier because I connect so what I've done is I've connected my customer service agent with my dropshipping fulfillment agent and then they communicate with each other. Whenever there's a customer issue, they'll go and discuss that. And then usually my agent will just go send a replacement out. So that's like the, that's the first thing you should do. And then the second thing I recommend is hire. It's not to outsource everything so you don't do anything, everything straight away. Like you don't want to do that. It's to learn all of the parts of the business and then one by one outsource it. So train people who can manage it. So then what's next I'd like to do is I like to push the ads off to media buyers because a lot of people, they like to get into the, they like to get into the nitty-gritty of the ads. They want to know the best strategy, the best method. They want to know the best everything. But it's honestly, like it, it's endless. There's so many different ways to do it and there's so many different ways to succeed. Uh, everybody just wants to find the best way, which is why a lot of people, like if you saw in that Q&A, a lot of people asking me, Lester, what's your best books? Because they, they don't want to read the shit books. They don't want to go through the shit to get the good stuff. But you, you need to learn. So, yeah, uh, first thing I recommend is do the ads yourself and then go hire a media buyer. And then the media buyer, 
usually is someone who's very well trained at handling your ads and they'll handle the ads and they'll handle it without emotion because a lot of people get very emotional. For example, if a product isn't working, is working really well and then you get one or bad day or two bad days, you suddenly freak out and you're like, holy shit, like, fuck, my lifestyle is going to be messed up now because this, this product's not, not going well. So then they start to freak out, turn off ads which were performing well and then, yeah, they just mess the whole thing up. So what I recommend is, first of all, it depends on the person really because personally for me, I am a very emotional person and I'll be completely honest, I was that person who was turning good ads off because it wasn't working for a day or two and then I'd freak out. So yeah, um, so out, outsource that or build a small team, not really outsource, but build a small team within your company for the media buying, have a couple. And then what you can do is when it's performing well, you want your media buyers that have been with you for a while, you want them to be the senior media buyers and then you hire a bunch of junior media buyers. And then you have to just systemize it so they schedule the launches and then the senior media buyers assess it and then scale it onwards. So that's next. And then it depends if you're if you're dropshipping or if you're using a 3PL. So I'm actually using both right now. Um, I use, uh, I don't know if you want me to plug it or not, but I go use for it, go for it. Future Fulfillment in, uh, in Victoria. They've been really good with uh, their fulfillment services. Uh, I'll get them to sponsor the podcast. Yeah, yeah. We have some Evian. So Future Fulfillment's actually been really good and they've been really helpful with, uh, with everything. They've been super supportive as well. Uh, I think Davies worked with them. Yeah, I think I think I think Davies put a few products through 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 them. I recognise the name. I think there's quite a few brands in Australia using them actually as well. Yeah, there's a lot of brands in Teamwork makes a dream work. Yeah, mate. You know, yeah, I look after you. I look after you. <laughs> yeah. So future fulfillment's been really good. If you're if you're going to use a three PL, it's not as much work as if you're dropshipping. If you're dropshipping, then you definitely need a fulfillment manager who handles all the orders, all the customer disputes, because sometimes you'll you'll get a lot of reports in there from like the Australian Financial Complaints Authority about your products or just, just customers being customers. Uh, you'll get a lot of disputes sometimes, so you really want a fulfillment manager who will be in contact with your customer service as well. Um, and then they could also contact your agent. So for that job, $20, $30 an hour is fine. Uh, then... What you need to do, which is important, is have like a CRO, like an operations person who does all of your operations. So, yeah, my operations person, he's a fucking G, bro. And he came to you through this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. um, Well, I'll give him a shout out, Jaden, if you're listening to this. You're you're a top G. Uh, So, yeah, he does all of my operations for me and he overlooks the whole process because... If you have a business and you're still working in the business, you don't have a business, you have a side hustle is, is why I like to say it. Because a business owner shouldn't be doing all of the, all the tasks that the employees are meant to be doing. The business owner's job is to expand the business, uh, which is my role right now. So it's, it's a lot more hands-off for me recently, which is why I've done a lot of travel and... I suppose as well you've you've sold a few stores along the journey as well. I mean, why did you sell some stores to get rid of them and, and do that? To be honest, it was just to free up cash flow because 
uh, I've had to sell a couple of stores because, for example, the store in 2021, I got offered $250,000 for it, US dollars. That store I sold straight away because I needed $250,000 because I needed that to fund the business. Because what a lot of people don't understand as well is it's a business and the lifeblood of the business is the money. And if you suck up all the money from that business and you go spend it living life, whatever, then the, how's the business meant to run? It's not going to run at all. And I think that's what differentiates the successful people and the non-successful business owners. The really successful ones, the hyper-successful ones, they go all in. Like Just look at Elon Musk, for example. He's After he sold PayPal, he put all of his money into SpaceX, into, uh, into Tesla. So you really just need to keep reinvesting and then make sure that you set a small percentage to have fun with because, I mean, if you work really hard at the end of the day, you do want to have fun. So, yeah. So how have you set up your lifestyle then in terms of percentage-wise and how you split your cash from your business um, so that you can obviously have fun and enjoy your life? Because most people that, that know you, see you on Instagram, look at the kind of things that we're doing right now and everything else and the abundant lifestyle mm-hmm. that you live, the watches, everything else. Like, I'm... What's what are you doing? Ten percent, twenty percent per month just to go and do this for, with? Because I don't. I, I think people think that you probably spend more of your cash flow than what you actually yeah, yeah. do, and I want to break that down for them. Yeah. So I mean, to be honest, I do spend quite a bit. Usually, I'd spend around thirty percent of my actual net income because I feel like if you're going to give thirty, because the company tax in Australia is thirty percent. I feel like if you're going to give thirty percent to the government, you might as well give thirty percent to yourself. And that leaves a business with 40% to still operate. And it operates really well. And I've been very strict with that 30%. And a lot of the times I don't actually end up hitting 30%. A lot of it just goes into my personal savings. Uh, and then that's when recently I had enough, bought a car. And then, yeah, it's just... Do you want to tell them what car you bought? Yeah. So I uh, bought a red Ferrari 488 in cash. Um, it's actually sitting in the dealership right now and then... Uh, maybe in like two weeks when I decide to come home and gonna go unveil it. Congratulations, bro! Because I, I, I tell you why I, I want to congratulate you on a personal level is because a couple of years ago I, I've probably known you since you were seventeen. We've been friends for for quite a while now, and you walked in uh, my apartment after we've been friends for a while, and we did we did this first episode of this podcast. And there's a few things I've noticed that have changed with you over over the over the years. I want the, want these lot to understand because I've seen you close. One, you you wanted to at that time you had your first million dollars in the bank liquid, remember? And you wanted to go out and buy a fucking Lamborghini. Yeah, yeah. And I said to you, do not fucking buy a Lamborghini. Put all that back into growing what you exactly. Did. And also, you came dripped out to head to toe in like Gucci and all this loud shit yeah, that yeah. just said. I'm a drop shipper making hundreds of thousands a month, right? Uh, you, you agree? Yeah. Right? Well, I, I feel like also it's a phase, and like it happens, it happens with everyone, and uh, a lot of people are probably still in that designer phase where they wanna they wanna tell everyone like, look how much money I've got, and I mean I understand it, but eventually, obviously, you grow older, and then. But that's the maturity piece that I've seen yeah. with you, and I was getting onto that. Is the maturity piece I've seen from you is I. I sat down, I remember sitting down with you just outside my kitchen and I said to you, Lester, mate, I believe you can do this, this and this and this yeah. and, and you're well on the way to hitting the levels that I told you could hit. I said, but mate, that needs, you don't need that, you don't need that, you don't need that until you get to that. And now 
I see how you're moving, and you're like, holy fuck, he listened. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. <laughs> well, I mean, at the end of the day... You don't wear labels now, do you? Not, not really a label yeah, guy. You, well, I like to wear silent luxury. So, for example, uh, this shirt's actually Louis Vuitton, but you, you can't tell, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like to make sure that it's not... I don't wear a lot of labels. Um, I like to wear a lot of... Recently, so when we were in Europe, actually the UK... Uh, I was in Harrods and I came across this brand, Laura Piana. Yeah. And fuck, I love the Laura Piana summer walks. I actually bought two pairs. You man um, wears them as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're, they're a great brand. And I really like uh, Silent Luxury now because you kind of go under the radar while still looking presentable. And I feel like, yeah, when, you, when you're wearing a lot of the flashy brands, people that have been through, through that phase just look at you and just think you're, you're an idiot. Yeah, because obviously you you meet a lot of top people like myself in e-commerce game, uh-huh. and there a lot of them. When you get to like the David Foggy level, they're wearing a white t-shirt and a pair of jeans, yeah. but they've but they've done three hundred fifty thousand US dollars that year, uh-huh. or five hundred or half a billion. Do you know what I mean? So it's like as you ascend through the levels, you're you're you don't want this Lamborghini lifestyle. So the reason I wanted you to say that on here is because. I want everyone on this podcast, after this podcast, to be inspired enough to go and try their hand at the dropshipping stuff or whatever, because because yeah. there is legs in it. But I want them to also understand that when they start to hit twenty, thirty k a month, which I believe that they can do mm-hmm. from from listening and taking action on something like this, don't go and fucking wank it off buying dumb yeah, shit. Exactly. Yeah. So first of all, don't drag all of the all of the money in your business and just spend it. Don't treat your business account like a personal spending account even the australian taxation office tells you not to spend it like a personal account because you have to treat your business like a business and if if you're setting up a business you have to understand that as a business owner you have to make business owner decisions and one of which is not just spending everything in the company account fucking right mate honestly i and i remember being sat there with you literally outside the kitchen and we was looking at your first million dollars he'd ever yeah. made, and no one was more hyped for me, to, uh, hyped for you to make it than me. And I was like, "Please execute the right plan and the right strategy with this because it's going to scale you to the moon." And this is what you're doing now. Like you, you, you're talking, you know, from that point on, that was your first million. You're doing twelve to fifteen million a year now, and you're gonna. And if you execute right now at this level, you're going to do inside two years. 50 to 100 do you know yeah. what I'm saying because you've got the systems now in place and you've invested in the systems and the systems are worth way more to you now than the fucking Lamborghini was back then yeah yeah you know? yeah definitely I feel like uh, I, I guess it's just it's just maturing uh, I do I do look back at myself when I was 18 19 20 even though 20 was last year but I do <laughs> I do look back at myself during those years and I think that I did make a lot of bad decisions, but I mean, I'm kind of happy I made it because I, I needed to make a bad decision to learn what a bad decision was and what a good one is. Because again, I don't really have a lot of mentors. Obviously, I have some mentors that I learn off, just like that I just talk to. Uh, actually, recently I've came across a really good mentor, which we were talking about the other day, uh, which, I'll, which I'll talk on later. But yeah, I don't, I don't really have a mentor, so I, I don't know what steps to take. So, yeah, I guess you just make a couple of bad decisions. Like one of the bad decisions was um, whenever I did a business deal, I never had a contract, which is... Uh, is Wild. Actually, yeah. My real estate agent's mum actually told me because um, we were going to work on a hemp brand 
uh, she was the one that, that told me this little bit of wisdom, which was always for everything, have a contract. Contracts are important. And I didn't realize that contracts were important. I didn't even have employment contracts because like, it was so new to me. But now everything, I have contracts. Um, another thing she taught me was, which I think is just a good bit of wisdom, is always figure out your exit plan before you fi- figure out your entry plan. So whenever you're in a business, yes. always figure out the exit before you figure out the entry. Always figure out what you want in the end out of that business or that idea or whatever. I suppose in the way that works for like if you're doing just a – generic dropshipping brand that you plan to sell is just plan what you what you aim to exit it for and sell it for it on the on yeah, the back yeah. end of back end of scaling it yeah exactly uh which is what we're focusing on a lot so um we're doing a lot more branded work because i mean dropshipping is great but i feel like dropshipping is a stepping stone it's really like it's doable to execute high numbers with dropshipping but it's it gets very difficult because the lead times are very long for your customers which I know will scare a lot of young dropshippers off, but you have to understand if you give them if you give if you give your customer good communication, they're not going to complain as much versus if you just don't message them because people think that dropshipping is this like magic thing that you put money into and just spits money out, and it feels like that, especially when you're spending money on ads. Say you spend a thousand dollars and then you make three thousand dollars, you're like, holy shit, this is just making me so much money. But you have to understand. At the end of the day, it's a business and you have customers and those customers are humans and you need to take care of those people. So, yeah, it's just customer care is the number one thing that we value within our company the most because customer care is pretty much it, – it gives you happy customers and the customers are the lifeblood of your business. The, the problem with dropshipping in the world environment is the fact that there's a lot of no-shippers. Yeah. There's a, oh, lot, yeah. There's a lot of scammers, a lot of, fr- a lot of um, like PayPal frauders. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, people on the internet selling courses on businesses that they haven't, they had, haven't, su- done, yeah. they haven't had success since the 2017 exactly, yeah. e like, and, and the game's changed. Facebook ads were fucking super cheap then. You could yeah. make... I could have made money in 2017 and do a dropshipping. Yeah, any, anyone could have. Right, do you know what I'm saying? But like now, it's tightened up. Like, you know, you got you got people that say you can make vast amounts of money in dropshipping from, from TikTok uh, user-generated. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still think there's a bit more nuance around that that you need. Uh, the way that you do it that I've seen that other people never did was you've always... Even when you... Even though we call it dropshipping... Um, I know you did generics and all that kind of stuff back in the day, but even uh-huh. even when we're talking and you were showing me the whole case study for it yeah. back when we did the first podcast, it wasn't it wasn't like you were you weren't branding the dropshipping stores to make them stand out and stand out from the marketplace. So there there is a lot of differentiation. Even if you weren't differentiating the exact product, you were differentiating the look and feel of the brand. I think that's something you've been very good at. Yeah, I feel like that's that's something that I've learned just over time. Uh, from other people in the e-com space. Networking is super important as well. As a business owner, you should do a lot of networking, but not crazy networking. And I'm not talking about networking like go to the fucking club and go meet some some people spending their e-com money. It's just, no. Networking is in just find like-minded people who have a similar goal and just learn off them because I feel like a lot of people have their own, it's like, it's a weird term, but they have their own secret sauce. And it's good to just learn everyone's and then see if you could implement it in your business. And if you can, then yeah, go right ahead. You see, with that secret sourcing that you've talked about, and I've obviously meet, met lots of entrepreneurs that have, have mentored me and guided me throughout journeys in my time. And when someone gives you a piece of their secret source, what works for them, mm-hmm. it's up to you to take what they've said and then 
create your own version of that. Yeah, yeah. You can't. I've never seen a bit of secret sauce where I've gone. I can just take that and just implement it. Yeah, and it actually just fucking works off the bat. Exactly. Because because your your mentality, your risk tolerance, and everything else changes as a person, person to person. So something that, and also some say 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 Davy Foggett, you got on the phone with you and, and said, "Ah, oh, here's my secret sauce." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. But you're doing 15 million a year. He's doing 350,000. There's so much nuance between yeah. those numbers. Do you know what I mean? Between 15 million and, and 350 million. There's so much nuance uh-huh. and so much stuff that so many hurdles that have to be jumped. It, it'd be stupid to do that. You're better off actually taking some advice of someone doing 50 million, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and implementing that in your business. And I said this in the last podcast, the best people you can learn off is people who have just done what it is you're trying to do, which is why, especially recently, it's really hard for me to go to teach someone and this is why I really wanted to come out with my econ program really early because I feel like I'm getting to a point where I won't be able to teach someone how to go from zero to 100K a month as well as so- someone else because I feel like I could teach someone better teaching them how to do 100 to a million a month because that's what I've just done. So, yeah, I mean, that's I sp- still in the works, but I haven't really done anything because I guess... As a business owner, I've just been super busy in my business. That it's just hasn't been important. I mean, to me. everyone, everyone, when they get into e-commerce, start doing numbers of you. Everyone gets tempted by launching an educational product mm. and stuff like that. But the problem is, if the educational product takes you away from the from, exactly. the, from the action of actually what's making you the real money, and it, sometimes it's better to concentrate I- even on that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I know so many people that they've made more money from a course than they have from dropshipping, and they just quit dropshipping and those are the worst people to learn off because you're learning from a failure and if you learn from a failure, you're most likely going to be a failure. So, so essentially then, do you, do you reckon an educational product is something that you would actually truly launch and be, be fully behind? I don't know yet, which is why... Because I feel like, me personally, I didn't want to launch... So I was meant to launch my mind like back in December... But I didn't because I feel like I could have given people so much more value. So I completely scrapped it. And then I was thinking of launching it February, March when I came back from Europe. But I didn't launch it. I didn't launch it back then either because I feel like I'm letting, I'm personally letting people down if it's not fully value packed. And if I'm not the type of person that, well, if I'm not getting the results that they would want me to get. Um, so yeah, I've, that's why I've, I pushed it back. I, I can't really say if I'm ever going to release it because I don't know yet. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see. At the end of the day, it's got to be right for you. But I think the most important thing to focus on is how do you go from 15 to 50? Mm-hmm. Like 15 to 25, 25 to 50, like, and on from that. It's, it, it, that that's going to... And then obviously you can you can give back more to people when you're at another another stage again. Yeah, I feel like the the course program for me is... It's it's more charity work because I, I I don't really need to make it. I don't want to make it. But I do want to make it because, I mean, at the end of the day, I personally have learned from so many courses. I've invested so much money in different mentors. Some of them not good. Some of them great. It's just, um, yeah, I've just – because at the end of the day, it's it's content and you, you, you want to you learn off it. So – the one thing I want to talk about as well is when you talked before about these 30% that you're spending, mm. um, I think people would have got 
look at your lifestyle and think you're spending 30% of your lifestyle but I imagine some of that 30% is some of the investments you're making into, into like these watches and you yeah, store yeah. you store money in watches don't you yeah definitely so the watch hobby is a recent hobby I've picked up but my dad's my dad's always got me into watches so my first watch that my dad gave me was uh, Omega Speedmaster and I remember he was like when you graduate from high school I'm going to give you this and he gave it to me and it's still in the cupboard to this day but um, yeah I guess it got me he got me into watches and I like watches because watches is an asset it's a store of value uh, so for example um, I think my watch portfolio right now is sitting at like 350,000 which isn't a lot of money for me personally but I guess like for a lot of people they're like what the fuck you've got $350,000 in watches um, but yeah it's just a good store of money I like to collect watches I never really sell them um, and it's, it's just fun going to the dealer and I've, I've made a lot of good connections like that so for example um, one of these dealers in Brisbane I've made a really good connection with him because uh, I guess he just understands that I genuinely love the watch game and I just love watches preferably Rolex I, I love my Rolexes um, but down the line, I have set a goal this year to hit like a million dollar watch collection, which I don't know. We'll see if I hit. I, I could probably hit it if if Richard Mill would go sell me a watch already or Patek. But I, I suppose got, you have to get on approved buyers list, don't you? Yeah, to yeah. Uh, I feel like it, it's who you know. So I actually have made a lot of connections through my network. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll get one this year. Uh, if not, I'll probably just buy one. Uh, on the second-hand market because I, I'm really liking the... I don't know if you've seen the Bubba Watson, the white the white one. No, no. It's like a Richard Mill. It's like a skeleton one. It looks so nice. And I, I just buy watches if I if I like the colour. So, for example, this one I bought uh, in Rome. Uh, pretty much just had a chat with the dealer. She was super cool. And then a week later, uh, I got the watch. Uh, because a lot, of, a lot of people don't understand... You could go into a Rolex, they're just going to laugh you out the door if you ask for, uh, like, a sports model. But if you know your watches, you have to ask for specific watches, and then if a dealer really likes you, they're going to give it to you. For example, I really liked your watch, for example, the Mother of Pearl, uh, and I showed my dad, and he really liked it. So I uh, pretty much called up my dealer in, in You ordered one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sick. And then, yeah, he's like, yeah, I got one here. And then, yeah, it's sitting in the boutique right now. And then uh, by the time this podcast is out, I'm going to go give it to my dad. And, yeah, they're, hopefully they're, he'll they're, like they're, it. They're not an off-the-peg watch, are they? With, no, the, with the Mother of Pearl back, they're not the off-the-peg ones, are they? No, the Mother of Pearls are really hard to get because all of them are unique because it actually comes from a piece of pearl. Do you know how I got this? Yeah, how? So I was in Adelaide seeing my friend Kayla uh-huh. and her partner Jay. And Kayla's obviously a famous fitness model that you may know or may not know you probably fucking know her but we, we were going in to pick up one of theirs that they had ordered yeah and she she turned to me and she said um and jay turned to me and said you've, you've worked hard for a number of years and you why don't you get yourself a watch and i said oh you know like i had a lot of limiting beliefs around buying this kind of stuff mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's a lot from it's a lot for it was a lot for me to get over on a personal level so I literally, uh, they literally said, uh, I said, I said, which one you like? I'll point out this one. Yeah. And within, within a month later, I had this, I had this, he sent me through. And when I showed my mate, I'm like, oh, I've just bought this. And I showed you, you was like, oh, bro, you have to be on a waiting list for like years to buy them. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize. So it's, it is about connections and who you it know, is, yeah. who takes you in. Because I remember them saying in the, 
in the in the Rolex dealership in Adelaide. Like you can't just walk in and buy this. And she literally just said, "I'll just put him at the start of the list." If if you're buying it to for the investment as well, and not gonna they, yeah, they, yeah that was another thing they, I, they, they're like they're really concerned about me selling it yeah yeah because because they don't want you to sell it they don't want Rolexes on Facebook marketplace all over Facebook marketplace because it looks bad on the brand yeah which is why they're very selective with who they sell to so yeah you just walk into a boutique look presentable have a good chat and if you genuinely like watches then you'll get one but if you're just buying it for the investment you probably won't what kind of um things are you aspiring to get to now because obviously like when you when people see your lifestyle and, and the things that you're doing right now they'll think you've that it'll be at the peak of some people's visions of what mm. they can achieve but i know you've got a mad vision like what is your what is your vision for the for the next well till the end of this year to achieve to be honest at the end of this year uh, i really just want to work on the business scale up the business um because recently in the business we're doing a lot of advertorials and this is new territory to me so I really want to focus on that. Um, at the same time, I do want to still have a little bit of fun nowadays because I guess I've, I've worked so much in the business and the business for me right now, I could go 90 days out of the business and the business will still be performing as well. It's still be hitting KPIs. It could be breaking records because the business doesn't really need me. I'm just more expanding into other businesses and I've kind of taken like an investor role in a sense, because I've done a lot of partnerships with other people with decent brands. So, for example, one of my – he's my friend now. or well, he was my friend, like, back in school. But one of my friends, Lachlan, we have a beauty brand. Uh, that was the brand that I posted. It was one of the brands that I posted on my story, which did 700K in the first three months of the year. Uh, so that, that beauty store has been performing really well. Um, we're actually getting a trademark soon but that's so once you trademarked it you'll release the store name yeah and that's that's for for example that's a brand that i definitely want to focus on this year um and as well my other brand that did i think it did like 2.8 million in sales in the first three months really yeah that's that's and that and that and that's the one that's in the pet niche yeah 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 so that that's the brand that i definitely want to focus on um the most this And, and how long till you get the trademarks on that one uh, well, the trademark process is actually six months. So I called my lawyer up and I was like, uh, how long until I could get a trademark? And he's like, six months, but he could submit IP and then um, any competitors, we could pretty much just uh, take them down. So obviously that pivot right there, you've so you got to, I'd say probably, what, half a million a month and then pivoting into brands, mm-hmm. right? I feel like you have to focus on your main brand after you're doing even 100k a month focus on that brand and nurture that brand nurture the customers find other products in that niche that you could upsell to those customers so for example the beauty store we're just up upselling a lot of similar products for that niche and then yeah and then from there is when you could really nurture a good customer base and then yeah scale it up from there i was looking at a, st- um, a story from a guy called jordan uh, jordan hill who does um shopify editing and all this uh-huh. kind of stuff all the store editing and he was talking about the importance of above the fold and stuff like that and 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 cro and all that kind of stuff so what what can you talk talk the guys through now on here like what you've and what you make sure is above the fold to get more sales well to get more sales is people don't understand sms and email marketing are so powerful 
Because if you've sold 10, 20, 30,000 units of a product, you have thousands of customers which are pretty much your loyal fans. They're people who support you and they'll buy more from you as long as they had a good customer experience. So as long as the product worked well, arrived on time and is good quality. So yeah, we just focus on good email marketing and good SMS marketing. SMS marketing is actually something I'm focusing on a lot more because my friend who's kind of my mentor as well has got me to pivot more into SMS marketing because he's doing really well with that and he does like hundreds of millions a year. Yeah, he's, he's, he is. A, I don't know if you want to mention his name, but he uh, he absolutely smashes it. And to and to have someone like that in you know now at the level you're oh. at, to have someone like that guiding you along the path, is is got to be helpful. That's why you need to need to really pick who you're around. And I suppose what I've noticed about you and similar to me as well is like you're around a lot of people that are older than you that are kind of guiding you in certain areas. Like you've got different people for a mindset. Yeah. You've got different people for you know, you call on if you're going to do something like spend a lot of cash on, on, on some dumb purchase. Like or it's really good to have a really broad network. So not just a network of business owners, but also a network of professionals, good accountants. I have a fucking gun accountant and we have a meeting literally every couple of weeks just to catch up, make sure everything's in order because it's really important that you save money on tax, but you don't push it to the point where you get audited or something. So I think accountants important. Lawyers is also really important because sometimes you run into legal issues with trademarked products. Sometimes because we're dropshipping a lot of the products, sometimes some of the products are trademarked already. And then we'll run into some issues. So then we kind of dispute it. The lawyers handle it all. So lawyers is another super important thing. But I feel like I, I hang out with a lot of older people because a lot of the people my age, they're not doing anything. Like They're not really... It's, it's really hard for me to find other people, business owners in my age because a lot of people at this age, they still like to, you know, hang out, party, chill out, whatever, go to festivals, clubs. But, I mean, that's just never really been my thing. I, and I want to go back to this as well. Like this, this, because obviously this Q&A, we, you put up a Q&A box. I've yep. put up a Q&A box. I've not read mine yet. But I'm presuming it'll be similar questions to what's in your Q&A box. And I was actually really disappointed with the level of questioning in the Q&A box. Because I, I, because it's that it's that level of questioning that, that stops your growth. Because the questions aren't well thought out enough in, in terms of like being specific about, uh, you know, a lot of the questions for us in, in, in your box can be answered by Google. Yeah, yeah. And if people are... St- I'm not laughing at people. I'm not saying that people should know everything. I'm just saying like... I would have never asked any of those questions uh-huh. specifically because at the end of the day, I could get any of those questions from Google, any of yeah. them. Like, so I just, I just think Uh-oh. that we're like, we're like on the, oh my, the, <laughs> <laughs> this is like, it's going in front of the camera and everything. We're, we're, all the, we're just, we've just been wave breaks by yeah. a massive yacht. This is why you don't do podcasts on yachts. This is why you don't do podcasts on boats. But yeah, like, you know, a lot of the questions get, gets real specific on your questions get yeah. super relevant like you've got someone here if you get if you get 10 minutes with someone like Lester to ask him a question on drop shipping or scaling a brand from 100 to 200k or, or scaling your first 10k be super super specific and relevant and don't ask him something like what sh- product should I start with yeah, yeah because like what the fuck's the point in that so uh, for example uh, my friend mentor guy we'll just call him Mr. X. Mr. Yeah. X, yeah. So when I went over Mr. X's house, um, 
I would before on the drive there. I'd actually think of some questions because I knew that this guy is a high level person, and I definitely don't want to waste his time and don't ask him dumb questions. So I would ask him like very very intelligent questions and very specific business questions, which only he would know the answer to because I mean he's just it's a road that he's already it's a race he's already run, uh, and then yeah, I'd get really good questions out of that. I mean, one of the good questions to ask someone like that is to say, look. I'm doing I'm doing 15 million a year right now. What are some of the things that I've overlooked that I can't that I've overlooked in my business right now that you that you had already implemented at 15 million a year? Yes, yeah, like so that's a real specific fucking question. Like, what things can I not see in my business? What things am I not doing? Where am I get Where am I overlooking it? That's specific as fuck. Uh-huh. He can he can answer that, and he and he'd actually be he'd actually have some joy from answering it because he'd have to think back. Yeah, to yeah. what what was I doing at fifty million that this kid's overlooking, and 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 and, and now he's stimulated. Mm-hmm. So now he wants to answer the question. He don't want to answer the question is what fucking product should oh, I launch? Yeah. I, I know it sounds, but I really want people to get that. The more specific you are, the the more you the more you have to think about you know answering the question. The more you're likely to be involved in answering the question. Yeah. So one of the questions I actually asked Mister X is. Um, with shipping because one of his best advice was shipping from Australia and that's helped me out dramatically so I was shipping from Australia uh, but importing I guess importing products is new to me because I had to use a freight forward or whatever and I didn't know how to import it and then one of the best advices he gave me was just LCL it which is uh, I think it stands for less than a container load and then yeah we got it in and now we're fulfilling from Australia and it's just because you asked him the right specific question. question yeah yeah, it's it's amazing how how much your life can change when you ask the right questions. Yeah, and that's where I feel like just spending time with him. And I've spent time with. Uh, it's it's actually funny because these two friends that I've been hanging out with the most uh, in Australia, they both have Ferraris. And coincidentally, I suddenly have a Ferrari too because I feel like you just become who you hang out with. And if you're hanging out with a bunch of bums, a bunch of losers, then guess what? You're going to be the next one. I mean it's so basic but it's literally everything you're saying is so true because I've seen it in my own life I mean I don't drink smoke or you know touch any of these hardcore recreational drugs like other people do because essentially where does that take me towards it takes me towards the oblivion that everyone else that does those kind of products goes towards Uh you can't there's not one of those that 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 is going to add any value to your fucking life yeah none of them so it's like why why would you why would you put yourself in this situation if, if you're spending so much time on partying like fuck why don't you go spend time at the gym for example and then the gym will have way better uh a way better outcome and way better results than spending time partying one that's one thing as well you've implemented since you started to become more and more successful Mm -hmm. you've put more and more time into your health and fitness yeah yeah um there's a saying we treat the body rigorously so it won't be disobedient to the mind and that's what i've been living by over the past couple of months because i feel like i'm i've i feel like i can't even control my own body whenever i don't go to the gym because all of a sudden I'm laying in bed. And it, for me personally, it's so easy to be comfortable. If I'm in fucking Italy, for example, there's no reason for me to wake up. I, I don't really need to do anything. I don't need to expand the business because I've got people that are focusing on that for me. But it's the discipline of going to the gym, which helps me wake up, I guess. Um, another thing that like, it just keeps playing in my head whenever the alarm goes off is... 
people, they always set two alarms, right? And I feel like the first alarm is for the man you want to be. And the second alarm is for the man you are. And that plays in my head all the time. As soon as that first alarm goes off, I'm like, this is who I want to be. I want to be someone who can wake up from an alarm, wake up on time, do work. And yeah, I've just over the past months, focusing on fitness is super important because personally, I'm not a person who does a lot of fitness, but uh, recently yeah, I've just been gymming. <laughs> I think as you, as you get through, you start to really prioritize your health and, mm-hmm. and kind of like, you know, even, even at, I'm going on 35 in June and health has been my key priority my whole life because because I know that gives me longevity. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, research from Andrew Huberman and his team. Of uh, He's like a famous neuroscientist. So Andrew Huberman says a lot about um, there's a lot to do with your fitness and your dopamine. If you're not working out, then your dopamine levels are going to be low, but a way you could increase it is just by working out. It's so weird that uh, working out and lifting weights helps you in your business, but like personally for me, from my experience, it, it does. One thing as well that I think we should touch upon that I've that you've implemented very well in your life, and obviously have a lot of balance with, mm-hmm. is the girlfriend. You 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 literally settled down, found the beautiful girlfriend really early. How how has it been like in terms of leveling you out and keeping you on on a level with that? I feel like if. Because I've, I've done this before where you look at a lot of successful people, they've got one girl and it's a solid girl. And Need for Me is a solid girl because I could stay very grounded um, and then I don't waste time because personally, I, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I used to waste a lot of time texting girls because it's just, it's just a normal thing for young males to do. Um, and to be honest, it's a, it's a waste of time. Dead energy, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and then eventually I've taught her how to set up her own dropshipping business, and she did find a little bit of success. But recently, it has been going well. But I told her like this is just this is just like how business is. Like, um, if you want to be a skilled sailor, just learn to ride the waves. But as it as it added a lot of stability to your life by 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 getting by getting this locked in early. Yeah, yeah, definitely because then it eliminates the want and need to message other girls, waste time, uh, hanging around other girls. Because like personally for me, it's a waste of time and I don't really get any energy off it. Whereas with her, I get a lot of good feminine energy. If I have a long day uh, and I had to make a lot of very tough business decisions, I could go home, I could go to bed and lay down, and she's there to comfort me. And also as well, it, like you, you get to share a lot of experiences. A lot of the younger guys in the dropshipping game that are also successful like you, they all blow in an even wilder amount of cash on lifestyle uh, yeah. to make up for the fact that they're probably a bit lonely from what they're doing, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel like as well, um, like I'll be honest, I was very lonely before uh, and I just wanted a girlfriend. It was actually a coincidence that we met. We met at a Halloween party and... Yeah, we just took off really well. She understands me. I understand her. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good though for for that that people hear a young man that's building his life with you know one solid because there's a lot of advice and I've even done podcasts in this that, I, that I've probably come out before this one where where men talk about having multiple girlfriends and all this and the other and it's like it sounds fucking great. Yeah, it sounds, sounds great. fucking fantastic. But but the the actual 
true ailment of executing on something like that. You need to employ staff to fucking manage the yeah, fucking yeah. drama you have. Uh-huh. Like, you, it's, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, in yeah. terms, of, in terms of like long term, I understand. I do understand it, but then I'm, I see people like you and how you move and, and the life that you have because you move that way, and other successful people, and the majority of successful people aren't living life like that. Uh-huh. That are happy. That are happy. I have a lot of friends that do spend a lot of money on girls, lots of them. And, I mean, just ask yourself, like, how much are you spending on girls and how much are you spending on your mum? Because a lot of these guys, like, your mum's raised you for, what, 18 plus years? And you've known a girl for, what, a year, two years, and you're spending all of this. Or even a girl that you just met and you're spending all this money on her. I feel like you're just being selfish. We have a good friend. Who loves a Russian? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, it, and he sets himself up a budget to deal with that. I'm like, bro, like, I try, I try and have the same conversation with him that I had with you years ago, and and as of yet, he's not listening. But eventually, he will have to. He'll have to listen to me. Yeah, and he'll have to. He'll have to fall into alignment with 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 the one thing because as soon as as soon as that man there gets the one thing in place, and it's and it's the, it's the one thing, and the, then his business will triple. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I feel like it's really important to have a have just one solid person because then it eliminates the need to explore. And then, yeah, focus on your business. Uh, I feel like inevitably you'd focus on your business if it was the most important thing. A lot of people get distracted and then they start blaming, for example, their partners because their business isn't succeeding. But why are you blaming your partner? Because you spent so much time on your partner. Obviously, she matters more than your business, so now your business is failing. So yeah, it's just um, yeah, one solid good chick. It's funny because uh, Neve uh, was actually her, one, some of her stores weren't going well recently, and she was like stressed because she wasn't making much money. And I was like, babe, even if you make absolutely nothing, you're still going to be flying first class everywhere. You're still going to be chilling on a yacht, having fun traveling like i'm still gonna pay for everything and i feel like it's it it is a man's responsibility to take care of his woman yeah no i feel, I feel you on that and I, I know that you've always treated her accordingly and and i think that's very good that you, you stand you stand by that thing uh-huh. here goes the boat rocking again mate this, yeah, this, yeah. This, this, this podcast on a boat thing is it's my first podcast on a boat but one thing i want to touch upon as well in this because otherwise we're going to get all the comments under the youtube video even though even though when people get a lot of free value out of these kind of podcasts they still com- they still complain in the comments, uh-huh. and one of the things things they go, oh, why couldn't you ask this? Why couldn't you ask that? So, what are the questions that you want to answer for this audience that I've not asked you that I should have asked you? I actually don't really have a lot of questions that I think that you've missed. I feel like naturally there are going to be people who will comment bad things, but there are always people that are faceless. They're people that don't want to put their face out because they know within themselves. Anyone who projects hate is... I, I, I just feel sorry for them. Because people that project hate are really sad inside because a happy person would never project hate. And I feel like naturally, for every like 10, 20 uh, people that you inspire, there's going to be one hater out of there. But I guess it's just, it's just part of it. Um, I know in the recent podcast, there was one bad comment, uh, someone saying that the amount of lies in the podcast... I didn't even go to school with that person I, because I remember people who I went to school with and, yeah, I guess I checked his profile. It was a fake profile, no profile photo, fake name even, tried to search him up. You, you, get, you get a lot of that, but I just wanted to 
ask you that question because I wanted to make sure that because I, I I don't tr- obviously I, I try and ask the ecom specific mm. questions to to tick that box so that people get enough value from that point. But I think it's really good to understand the psychology yeah. and and the stability that you, with having a girlfriend and all that kind of stuff and all the other stuff that people don't ask on any e-commerce podcast the things that are staples in a, in a man that's successful that not many people see and not many people know about but it's ultra important i feel yeah. to get to the level that you get into because the way that you've got to the level that you are now is because you've been extremely focused and the yeah. way you've been extremely focused is because not just because of of like you you got a goal and you've zoned in but because you haven't actually had to do all this other shit because you've got things locked in. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, it's very simple. Uh, you do the bare minimum, you'll get the bare minimum. So do as much as you can, work hard, and yeah, eventually you'll... We will We will film um, an e-com Q&A on the way back. After. But we have, to, we have to shoot off this podcast now because... I think we, we've just we, the sun's setting and we've got half an hour left to get on these jet skis and Neve's looking at me like if you don't finish this podcast now I'm going to shoot you in the head and uh, that is all I need to encourage me to get off the podcast but guys I hope you've got some mad value from this little episode from a boat we'll also I reckon we'll also do a part three in probably a couple of months time as well I mean I was actually talking to Lester today um, just to just to drop it in early, I was talking to Lester today about we, we're thinking about running like an e-commerce mastermind type event thing that we want you all to come to. We haven't figured out exactly how we're going to do it, but we're thinking maybe of doing it in either Dubai or Australia, um, wherever kind of works for us. But maybe like a maybe like a one day, maybe a two day, whatever we mm-hmm. whatever we feel. But I think it's something where you guys could get a lot of value from. So if that's something that, that you're interested in, let us know in the DMs because essentially like predicated on the demand is whether we'll do the thing or not but i just want to say thank you mate for being legendary and and, and your first guy to book us a boat for the podcast yeah so well thanks for having mad. me on um i do just want to say one last thing um recently my business has done a lot of partnerships so if you have an econ brand which you're scaling or you're having issues with scaling and you want to work with me and my team just reach out to me um through dms and yeah Maybe we could work together. Yeah, and and also I'll get Lester to give me an email as well that you can drop in. It's probably better if you if we have a specific email for that for that amount of inquiries yeah. that they email in. Um, and the last thing I want to check out with, if there's one piece of wisdom that you can leave today that will move every one of these people that watch this podcast that one percent forward in their life, what would it be? You put me on the spot here, but it would be how big would you dream if you knew you couldn't fail? And that's the mindset you have to go in with business. You just have to think as if you can't fail and then you'll start making the right moves because you'll just, it's my favorite saying, you'll just send it. You'll send it on all levels. Guys, do me a favor, like, subscribe, comment, share this podcast with your friends. I hope it's added a mass amount of value to your life. I'm about to go and get my bald head on this jet ski. Much love. I appreciate it. That's Lester Javalona. I'm proud of this guy more than he'll ever know. And I can't wait to bring you episode three when we drop that whenever that is in the future much love my brother thank you thanks for having me peace out guys do me a solid favor drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next